You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at ESPN Wisconsin. And joining me as always is my good friend and the founder of Brew Hoop, Frank Madden. Frank, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing fine. Uh, I, I, you know, I was not expecting to watch the final preseason game in BMO Harris Bradley Center history <laughs> tonight. Um, <laughs> build, build as the last regular season game in the history of... Uh, of the, the, they snuck it the, in. They snuck the historic, it in. the historic Bradley Center, um, and instead we got the. Uh, uh, well, we already talked about Benny Hill music the other night, um, <laughs> but the man, there were some stretches in this game where uh, between missed shots and bad passes and fumbled passes. Well, I feel just, like Benny Hill is comedy based. Like that. Yeah. I don't know if I found anything particularly funny about this yeah. one tonight. Yeah, maybe it was just it was just kind of sad for for three quarters or so, at least yeah. uh, from Buck's perspective. But yeah, kind of. Uh, yeah, I would say this this was this felt like a much worse performance than the Knicks game. Um, but kind of like the Knicks game, the Bucks again just sort of take over late and uh, you know get the job done without Giannis. And and to be honest, anytime Giannis doesn't play, I just sort of my expectations go out the window, and it's I'm just sort of like oh, hopefully it will keep it close, and then just sort of win at the end and um what, what are they now five and two without Giannis this year yeah. I think they've they've obviously timed Giannis's absences well so that he's <laughs> it's basically been strategic only to say the yes least. yes they've only played bad teams basically when Giannis has rested um but obviously they uh they've they've you know taken care of business right um so uh in that sense it's it's worked out pretty well and tonight you know again not not a work of art by by any stretch whatsoever but um, Eric Bledsoe maybe you know was not as efficient as we've been seeing him of late. Um, had some very iffy moments himself, uh, but messed around, triple double, uh, and obviously sort of in the box score he was the story tonight. And um, again, the Bucks kind of figuring stuff out late in the game. Shabazz Muhammad coming through with really his second kind of impact game since signing. Uh, on top of that game he had in Chicago, so. Um, again, the Bucks getting, uh, you know, again, uh, against maybe a, a G League level opponent. Um, although, to be honest, though, I mean, the Magic played a bunch of their regular players. So maybe yeah. that, that maybe that's a little bit harsh, right? Um, they had a bunch of their regular guys actually in the lineup. So um, so maybe that's a little bit bit much. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, the Magic are, are not good. They have no motivation right now. And, uh, you know, it was what it was. Uh, but ultimately, it was also a win. And that puts the Bucks in this weird spot of, technically being sixth for now but not really having anything locked up heading into uh the last game of the season i gotta say as uh as a long time vogel lever 
that's a broken man. He's, he's that, done. That's he's a done. that's a broken broken man. Uh, yeah. Just listen to his pregame and getting to ask him some questions and, whew, that this year has probably taken five years off his life because it is. It was just funny to listen to someone so competitive and so, I mean, everything he's kind of done, like it's get the most out of like teams that maybe aren't expected to be quite as good. Like you think back to those Pacers teams and just to hear him say the word development 15 times in a five minute conversation with the media, like, oh, poor guy. Um, he, he And not that he's totally uh, – Totally without blame for the situation that they're they're in. Uh, at times, he hasn't used an, hasn't used Aaron Gordon in the best way. But they've had a bunch of injuries this year, and yeah, he's he's a broken man, and uh, they play like a, a broken team uh, just because uh, they they don't really have a whole lot going for them. And it, it looked like for a second in the second quarter, the Bucks were just kind of willing to go down that that same broken road uh, as they were going down a thirty one twenty one after uh, a quarter, and then. Bucks don't score for the first seven minutes. I think maybe a little bit less, like 654 or something like that, uh, before Chris Middleton, of all things, caught an alley-oop from Eric Bledsoe and laid it in. Uh, but it, there was just that second quarter is uh, I don't ever want to watch again. I don't I, I don't hope that upon any Bucks fan that you ever have to watch that again. Uh, not that the rest of the game was pretty, but that five to seven minutes was particularly brutal. So uh, just not a pretty one, but – Ultimately, they pull it out. I, I was shocked in the fourth quarter when Eric Bledsoe had a triple-double. Like It just did not – and I guess maybe that speaks to how bad this game was as a whole. Um, offensive rating of 98.7 for the Bucks, 83.3 for the Magic. Uh, so not good, but I guess that it just kind of felt like I don't even know how you get a triple-double on a night like this because – no one's making any shots, but Bledsoe was able to get 20, 12, and 11. And again, it, like you mentioned, not the most efficient night we've seen from him, especially with the way that he's played as of late. Uh, but in this situation, man, he was he was able to make it happen and, and get a win. And I guess kind of the same thing for, for Chris Middleton. Not a great night for him shooting either. Uh, he was 7 of 16 while Bledsoe was 7 of 17. And he leaves the game with 18.7 rebounds and 6 assists as well. So both of those guys got loose. And, I mean, a, a credit to to them. And even Jabari Parker, who had a, a really rough night defensively, um, and at times struggled offensively, five turnovers for him, but still 16 points, nine rebounds, and seven to 13 shooting. So all three of those guys, I don't know that any of them played their best game of the last couple of months, but certain... You, you in fact, you know that they did not. <laughs> yes, <laughs> correct. Uh, I'm, I'm 100% confident that they did not play their best game. Uh, even with a triple-double uh, from Eric Blood, so that was not his best game of the last month. But all three... Did just enough to get it done, and the Bucks were able to close out uh, the Magic late. Anything else with those three? I, I know we got to talk about Brogdon, and I want to talk a little bit about Shabazz Muhammad, but anything else with the starters or anything else you were thinking tonight? No, I mean, it's been kind of interesting. I mean, Jabari's had some sort of similar stat lines the last couple of games. 16 points each of the last two games. Um, doesn't get his fourth triple uh double double in five games tonight but um nine boards two steals in in 28 minutes but yeah it just felt like he just was not engaged and 
I don't know, like offensively, it just didn't seem like he could really beat anybody kind of going to the basket. You know, he had like, I think one, one kind of nice dunk off a pass where he kind of, it wasn't on Vucevic. I don't forget who he dunked on in the second half, but um, yeah, just didn't really seem to have much burst off the dribble. Like really kind of was just, I don't know, you know, sort of not finding a lot kind of going on and, um, you know, did finish seven out of 13, hit two out of four threes. So, so that's positive. But as you said, five turnovers and just some really just sloppy, indifferent, crappy body language. You know, when something doesn't go his way, he just sort of stops and doesn't get back on defense. And I mean, not that that's like super new. Um, Question, Frank. But, yeah, S- since you just mentioned that, can this version of Jabari Parker play more than 10 minutes in a playoff game? <laughs> I think that, that's deadly serious. Well, I'm sure he will, but... Um, you know, I mean, the Bucks have a lot of guys that that probably fit into that category, right? I mean, you know, Brandon Jennings. Sure. Brandon Jennings play. But again, I don't game. know if people would think of Brandon Jennings the same way that they would think of Jabari Parker. But I, sure. That's why I'm asking this question because I, that guy that we're seeing that that the guy that we've seen for the last month, I don't know how much you can play him in the playoffs. Like unless he really starts to give a shit in the next in the next week, I, it's going to be tough. Well, I, I think you you can ultimately because, um, I mean, the Bucks don't have. I mean, the Bucks literally have Gian, Giannis and, and no other guys who can play power forward essentially other than Jabari. Um, I, I do not advocate playing Thon Maker at power forward uh, to back up Giannis. <laughs> um, <laughs> and you know, again, look, I mean, you're not playing the Golden State Warriors or the Houston Rockets in the next round of the playoffs. Nope. Um, so again, I think certainly over time, you know, weak links get exposed more and more and more. And I think especially in a seven game series, you'll see it more. Um, and so I think a lot of obviously depends as well on, you know, who, who you're playing um, in the playoffs. But um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a it's I think it's definitely one of those things where I think over repeated games, um, Jabari's defensive weaknesses, you'd expect to see those probably exploded more and more. But again, I, I would imagine the Bucks are just going to have to, you know, figure out how to avoid it and, and like do you think he has a switch can... like can he flip it back on because i haven't seen him flip it on yet this year uh defensively has he ever no I mean, not even he's, like he's... just in general just giving a shit because at this point i'm not sure that he does yeah i don't know it seems like he's i mean even when he's played well it seems like he's just sort of been like kind of like playing loose but in sort of an indifferent kind of way yeah um and and again it's just it's just he just seems like a guy who's just kind of screwing around with his buddies at the park like you know like something good will happen and he'll smile and give high fives but then he'll also like complain when a pass isn't good you know it's just sort of a weird just like a generally just a weird vibe around him overall um and again it just seems like he's not very i don't know just not very emotionally into it and you combine that obviously with just his fundamental weaknesses on defense it's obviously a, a tough thing but um you know, again, I, I, I don't know. Um, I, I think it's going to be fascinating to see what he does in the playoffs just because I'm sure he's going to play. And I, I don't know what to expect, you know. I mean, we've seen, you know, we've seen Chris Middleton struggle the two times he's been in the playoffs. Yep. Um, I think the, this is going to be a fascinating test for, for Middleton. We talked about Eric Bledsoe yesterday and how much of an X factor he is, especially given some of the point guards that the Bucks might face in the first round. And Jabari again, like I mean, he's got a ton riding financially on on uh, on this playoffs. You know, if he is bad, 
that that's probably not going to go unnoticed by the league's general managers. And if he kind of finds a little bit more inspiration, then then that probably obviously certainly won't hurt. But um, of late, you know, another zero free throw attempt night from Jabari here. I think he's now had 17 free throw attempts in the last 20 games. Wow. Um, and no 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 attempts of no games of more than two attempts in the last 20. So again, just. I don't know. Tough to tough to know what to do with them, and on nights like this. Yesterday, I held off on saying that Shabazz on a minimum contract is better than Jabari, because <laughs> I just didn't want to say something so depressing. But certainly, you got to give credit to Shabazz, because I mean, you know, all the stuff about guys looking indifferent. Shabazz, Shabazz did not look indifferent tonight. No, and I mean, you just the way that he attacks rebounds, like yeah. <laughs> I don't think of Shabazz Muhammad as as a rebounder, but uh, I mean he he flies after rebounds. And when I say I don't know if if Jabari really cares, I am very convinced that Shabazz Muhammad cares, even if he's not particularly good or talented or whatever you want to say. Like any of those critiques, like he very clearly cares, and it, it's just it's interesting to me because. Those two guys are in similar situations. They both need contracts for next year. And they both, I would think, know that this is an audition, right? Like, is normally that's contract year behavior. When you're in a contract year, you make sure that you're putting the best foot forward. You're giving the best impression to all of these other teams. And it, it just, just for the difference in their and the way that they carry themselves in the game to be so stark is just kind of strange to me. If I'm being honest, it's totally strange to me that we haven't seen a Jabari Parker that's really, I feel like, auditioned for and put his best foot forward for this contract. Like It just feels like I haven't seen that version of Jabari Parker, like the version of Shabazz Muhammad that we saw tonight. I haven't seen that, that version of Jabari, and frankly it's strange like I, I don't I don't know that I necessarily understand it and I, I get from Jabari's perspective not trusting this coaching staff having some uh, ill will towards them for the way that he was treated under Jason Kidd like I get all of those things but I, I, I don't know what to do with that other than say like go out there and play hard and make sure that everyone knows that despite these people who have treated you unfairly or however you view the situation like despite that go out and prove them wrong like give them a reason to keep you on the floor and i don't know it's just it's uh, it's totally strange to me i don't i if i'm being totally honest i don't get it and i i'm struggling to understand kind of just the way that that he's going about it i, I don't get it yeah, you. I mean, it's, I think you can. You know, for, first off, you, I mean, you have to acknowledge, right? I mean, he's coming off an ACL tear. Yep. Um, and that's obviously going to affect him in some way. But again, I don't think you can pass off just sort of like you said, the body language, the indifference defensively, the just weird behavior, um, the moodiness on court. You mm-hmm. know, and that's not like an injury driven thing and so it's yeah it's tough i mean you, you almost wonder like i mean is he trying to send a message to the bucks brass like don't don't resign me i don't want like, to i'm not here. engaged yeah, maybe. i don't want to be here um i don't so know anyway, it, yeah. it, it's really interesting to me uh bec- and the reason i mentioned that that other thing about uh how much you can play him in the playoffs is i just kind of think about playoff series and how high of a level you have to execute at 
And it just feels like, and again, this could be people using Jabari as a scapegoat. I get it. But it just feels like when Jabari is on the floor and a basket goes in, uh, slumping of shoulders and throwing of hands in the air, frustrated looks from the other four guys rises. And again, yeah. that's totally anecdotal. And maybe I'm completely reading the game wrong and not seeing things correctly, but I don't think I am. I think I've seen it for the last month that when that happens, uh, tonight there was a little stretch where Bismack Biombo got loose, which is a, not a sentence I should say, <laughs> but he gets loose and there's a couple dunks and there's a, a blow by where Jabari helped on the pick and roll and then just kind of let the point guard go. There was him chasing a screen that maybe he shouldn't have been chasing or he was too far behind. And then that led to a Biombo dunk. And you just, you just see that body language from everyone else kind of suffer. And to me, that's a, that's a concern in the playoffs. You don't want any of those moments and you, you don't want those moments happening successively, right? Like you don't want them to happen one after the other, because that, that can swing a playoff series. Like yeah. it, it, just a single game. If for 10 minutes, you're not very good. Like think about last year in that playoff series against the Raptors, there's a portion of those games that the Bucks would say, if we won those minutes, we win that series. And to have just the idea that that could swing on a couple missed rotations or general apathetic body language, like <sighs> I think that's tough, uh, especially for those other players on the floor. Like, I, I just see all of that magnifying. Like, instead of slumping shoulders, that's screaming at him in the face. Like, you have to be better, right? Like, all of that stuff turns up. And I don't know, it just – I don't want to say it's a ticking time bomb because maybe the bomb's already gone off, but it, it just feels like something that's going to fester and only get worse. Yeah, I think the maybe the more interesting question is not, you know, does Jabari play, but – does he play in the last five minutes of any game that yep. is actually like you know somewhat close? And and that I think if you're trying to win a game and you have Giannis and you have Chris and Bledsoe, um, I, I don't think there's really room because you you know you're probably you want at least one big guy in. Um, not that you should be married to that. We obviously talked about going small, but that hasn't really been something they've been able to really figure out yet. Um, and then you probably just want you know kind of a wing shooter defender type guy out there who yep. you know you can be can be more reliable defensively so yeah it, it's definitely going to be be interesting to watch and another guy who, who makes it probably more difficult for Jabari to get those minutes is, is Malcolm Brogdon who finally came back tonight played 13 minutes um only what did he have two or four points I mean two points. certainly Certainly was was not at his best. I mean, he blew like one of the most wide open layups you'll see an NBA player miss at one point during that 0 for 13 stretch they had in the second quarter. Yeah, I asked um, him about that post game, and he was just like, "Yeah, man, it was just one of those situations. Like, come on, I, like I can't yeah. get that one to go in." And he laughed it off, and he said, "You know what? I, I'm not going to miss layups like that going forward." But it was just like one of those moments where it's like, "Oh man, that's a tough break for a guy coming back off an injury two months later." Yeah, so one for four in 14 minutes, two boards and assist, um, did not attempt a three. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know what you can really draw from this, but again, just sort of a, a underscores would have been really nice if Malcolm had been you know, healthy a week ago so you could get him more meaningful 
ramp up in terms of minutes heading into the playoffs. But unfortunately, just one more game here to try to get him, I don't know, 20 minutes on Wednesday. I, you know, again, I don't know what, what the optimal is or what's reasonable. Um, but again, I, I think watching him today, I mean, it feels like you're you're going to be resigned to the fact that he's going to be limited, at least somewhat, coming back in the early part of that playoff series, which is not ideal. And granted, I'll take that over Brandon Jennings, but um, but unfortunately, you know that that's one thing you know you're hoping to get him back early in April and then have him have a you know a nice week to to get some some burn and, and get his win back before the playoffs. But um, again, tough to expect that you know when you kind of then actually see a guy come back and realize hey man this he's been out two months with a you know an injury to his leg it's not like he's been out with you know i don't know pick an injury that doesn't really you know affect your athleticism or whatever um but but that's tough so we'll be interested kind of how that happens or how that sort of plays moving forward um i don't know any any thoughts on malcolm or or do we want to look at maybe next some of the playoff scenarios that are ahead um i just think with malcolm is interesting before the game joe prunty had said and this was strange because joe prunty rarely does this when someone's coming back like with jabari we never really got a minutes plan we never really heard how many how many minutes they wanted to get him or kind of what their goal was or when that moves up or down. And before the game, he said probably 15 to 20 for Malcolm and he only plays 14. And I asked him after the game, um, you know, Joe said 15 to 20, you only get about 14. Uh, What did you, did you feel any differently than you thought you would going into it? And Malcolm said that he thought 15 to 20 sounded a little bit optimistic to him and that he thought, getting to 14 tonight was good. Um, so I, I thought that was kind of interesting that um, one, Joe Prunty would give us information about uh, how long they were thinking and then to have that be less than uh, kind of what they were thinking. And I think it, it speaks to a little bit of what you're saying there, that this is going to be a time where they're going to have to be cautious, obviously, as they try to ramp him up. And uh, we saw Chris Middleton have what? two months last year a month month and a half to get ready and again the severity of the injury is different but at the same time you saw Middleton have a solid I think it was about a month I'd have to look back but you saw him have a solid amount of time to prepare get ready and ramp up to you know playoff intensity and with Brogdon he's not going to have that time and you don't know how many minutes you can get out of him uh, because if it's 14 tonight, maybe it's 20 on Wednesday, and the playoffs would be starting on Saturday, maybe Sunday. Uh, I don't know what can you what could you really expect? 25 maybe? I don't. Know. So uh, to me, it's it's very interesting to see how they attempt to move some of that up. And then Delhi hasn't even gotten started. He hasn't yeah. even played a game, and I don't know if he's going to be ready for Wednesday or if it's kind of the the last gasp here of give him the final six days off before the playoffs and then have him ready to go for 10 or 15 minutes in game one i i really don't know so it, it's it's gonna be uh, i think it's a tough spot frankly uh to try to integrate someone on the run in a playoff series uh, i think uh that uh, it's a playing with fire a little bit, but it's fire that you'll gladly play with uh, because you don't, you, you like you said, you don't want to have Brandon Jennings on the floor for those minutes. Um, let's take a look at playoff scenarios. Uh, just, I believe, 
one scenario now where the Bucks could get themselves into the eighth spot. Uh, so overwhelmingly, uh, this Bucks team is going to be in the sixth or seventh seed. Uh, to get to the eighth spot, they would have to lose against the Sixers. Uh, the Wizards would have to go 2-0, and the Heat would have to go 1-0. That would get them to the eighth spot. Um, but other than that, it's the seventh or the sixth seed. Um, with many, I mean, any scenario where they win gets them the sixth seed uh, against the Sixers. And if they lose, then there's some maybe in the sixth seed, some maybe in the seventh seed, and then uh, that one scenario in the eighth seed. Yeah, and I think the the game that is really important, the non-Bucks game that is really important, is Washington playing Boston tomorrow or on Tuesday. Um, because, again, I mean, the Wizards are at 42 and 38. So if they lose that game, then you know the Bucks can't drop below them. Um, but Miami, if they beat the Raptors, who presumably are going to be resting guys at the end of the season, unless I think, what, they can go for 60 wins. Is that right? Um, then the 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 heat you know it's going to be an interesting situation right um do both the heat and bucks want the celtics um you would guess probably that you'd prefer the celtics over the sixers especially given how hot they've been although philadelphia obviously is a young team and you know again like when does Embiid come back that's obviously also an open question so um you know again if washington wins tomorrow you're in a tough spot because you can't just like tank the game against the Sixers, if you're, you know, in order to try to get the, the you know, Boston, um, because then if both Washington and Miami win their last games and you lose that game, then you're an eighth, which to me yep. is, you know, the worst case scenario for, for obvious reasons. Um, and if Washington loses, though, then you could get into that staring contest with Miami to end the season because then you go into that game knowing that Washington can't catch you um, for either the sixth or seventh spot. So, that could be an interesting scenario, and, and I don't know how the Bucks would handle it. Um, I, I would not be surprised. I would not be shocked if if Washington does lose on uh, Tuesday. I would not be shocked if the Bucks rested, for instance, Giannis, and I don't know who else might get a rest. Um, I would not be completely shocked if they rested some guys on Wednesday, and again, partly to just give Giannis more days off. And again, like. If you can continue to give him rest, I mean that's that's big, right? That's like a really nice luxury to get him recharging his batteries, not putting game action on that sore ankle, um, you know, rehabbing continually, being able to treat his knee, which obviously, thankfully, I haven't heard much about recently. Um, but man, it, it's an interesting spot, right? Um, Philly may or may not have something to play for. Um, they're a half game up on this on the Cavs uh, for the three spot, and. Again, Philly could also be in a situation where maybe they prefer to play the Pacers, who are the five seed, right? <laughs> I mean, maybe. if if it gets into a situation where they would rather play the Pacers than, um, let's say, the Bucks or Heat, uh, then could Philly rest guys sort of with an eye on maybe losing that game? You know, um, yeah. it's it's kind of an interesting spot. I mean, Philly, I think, is is full of confidence right now. They've won fourteen straight. Um, I don't think they're really necessarily afraid of anybody. Um, but there are just a lot of different permutations of what you know teams might or might not want to do. And again, for the Bucks, it, it's also going to be interesting because how much you know again with this with this pick issue, the fact that the Bucks now have forty four wins um, means that basically they can't lose the pick outright. If that makes sense, um, if you know they could still drop to eight, but it would be in a scenario where it's all on tiebreakers. 
So if Washington wins out and Miami wins this last game, then everybody would have 44 wins. The Bucks lose. Everyone had 44 wins. So you'd still have to go to a tiebreaker. Like a, it's basically a, we call it a coin flip, but it's really a drawing of ping pong balls in order to figure yeah. out tiebreakers Woo. for for, dra- for draft. And I bet yesterday I was talking about lottery. It's obviously it's not they're not in the lottery, but for draft, you know, pick purposes. So yeah. um, the the tiebreakers that apply for playoff seating do not apply for draft seating. So um, so again, like. The Bucks will at least have a ping pong balls chance, got a chance. At, keeping, at keeping their pick. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously if they win, then they will definitely keep it because they'll have 45 wins and nobody else can get to that. So, man, if on, only there was an easier way, like, you know, like n- maybe not dropping games to crappy teams all year. Yeah, like, seriously. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I think it's an amazing thing because it's like, you know, let's say Giannis could go. Do the Bucks play Giannis? in part because well yeah maybe you get the sixth seed rather than the seventh seed and maybe you'd rather play boston than philly but how much do the bucks want to keep the number seven the number 17 pick because again i've heard you know a lot of bucks fans have argued well just get it over with you know lose the pick now some people you know argue well i don't want this front office having more picks anyway because they you know blew their last few first round picks um and again not that that was all this front office but um but if you are John Horst, I mean, clearly you want to have a pick in this draft. So, yeah. um, so I think it's going to be an interesting situation to see kind of what they do and, and what kind of trade-offs uh, we see them make in terms of health, in terms of resting up. And obviously part of it's going to depend as well on you know, how many people Philly is playing on Wednesday. So you're saying there's a chance, Frank, right? Woo! No, I, you shouldn't be that excited because you should have just taken care of business and actually not needed to worry about that. But um, we'll kind of see what happens there with the Bucks. I, I think it's it's a fascinating decision here for this organization. Uh, how do you try to go about this? And I mean, at the same time, you can you can rest a bunch of people and still win and you cannot rest a bunch of people and lose. Like you can have an outcome that you don't expect. So, uh, it's going to be a, a fun couple of days here as, uh, we figure out exactly who the bucks are playing in the playoffs and kind of how all of this will go down. Um, we will keep an eye on it. We'll let you know kind of what all of that looks like as we go into, uh, the game on Wednesday. But I think that is going to be it for us for tonight. Bucks win 102-86. Eric Bledsoe, his first triple-double with the Milwaukee Bucks, I believe the fourth of his career, 20 points, 12 rebounds, 11 assists for him. Chris Middleton, 18 points, 7 rebounds, 6 assists. And Jabari Parker, 16 points, 9 rebounds. And don't think I forgot about Shabazz Muhammad. 22 points and 8 rebounds in 24 minutes. So a big boost there for him off the bench. For Frank Men, I'm Eric Name. This has been Locked on Bucks. We'll talk to you tomorrow.